When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Inside Syracuse Basketball with Mike Waters, presented by Syracuse.com. College basketball is a great thing. Anything can happen. Welcome to the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast. I'm Mike Waters. Today on the podcast, I'm joined by former Syracuse basketball player Jason Hart. We talked about Jason's new job as the head coach of the NBA G League's Ignite franchise. Does he think the G League will hurt the college game? He discussed why he tried to get out of his commitment to Syracuse when he was a senior in high school and why he never held SU's hard stance against Jim Boeheim. And we also talked about his son's recent college decision. We have a great guest today. And a lot of times Syracuse fans will ask me, well, who's the best Syracuse guard ever? Or who's the best Syracuse center ever? They'll ask me all sorts of stuff. And I don't like want to, like say like the best scorer was Lawrence Moten and get Carmelo Anthony mad at me. So a lot of times I'll straddle a fence on those questions, but if anybody ever asked me who the hardest working player in Syracuse history was, I never hesitate. It's my guest today. It's Jason Hart. Jason, how are you? I'm doing good, Mike. Uh, uh, glad to be here. And it's great to be on with some familiar faces in yourself and uh, just happy to be here with you, man, to, to do this interview. Well, like I said, the hardest working player that I've ever covered in all my years here covering Syracuse. Um, you know, I, I, I just remember how hard you would work and then listen, they've had some kids lately that, that you'd, you'd like, they've had kids that are made from the Jason Hart mold. Uh, you know, Tyus battle was a hard worker. Elijah Hughes put in the work, buddy Bayheim is, is out, out there working all the time, but uh, Jason Hart folks never let up. And uh, that was something that you brought with you straight from high school, wasn't it? And that was just a character trait you had. Well, I I always knew that Syracuse wasn't going to be forever. And so I just told myself from from the from day one, I just want to work um, as hard as possible. And uh, for me doing that, I wanted to show the school respect. It was an honor from it was an honor to to play for Syracuse for four years uh, with all the great players that came before me. And so I just didn't want to, I just wanted those guys to be proud. So I was more planned to just to get their approval. And that's how I carried it for four years. And I, the outside world didn't matter. As long as Derek Coleman or Lawrence Moten said I, I, I did a good job, that's all that I was looking for. <laughs> you also have one of the longest standing records in Syracuse history. You are still the all-time leader in steals in Syracuse history. And it's not even close. Wow. Well, I, I was able to, I came in from from high school with some anticipation skills. And um, once I was able to learn the zone and figure out where I can get those steals, that made it easy. And then somebody, I knew I had Etan Thomas, probably the best shot blocker in Syracuse history. So it made my job easy. I know if I missed it, I know he had it. So it, we worked good together. I would say Etan is the best shot blocker in school history. And I know he holds the record, but if I did, 
Roosevelt Bowie, who still lives locally, would get really mad at me. <laughs> right. How many how many Etan is up on Roosevelt? A good bit. Uh, he okay. broke Roosevelt's record, if I recall, at the very beginning of, of your senior year, Etan's senior year. Okay, okay. Uh, and I remember I broke I broke the steel record my junior year at Seton Hall. I remember. You remember? I, I definitely remember. I think uh, Hop told me, somebody told me, and it was at it was at Seton Hall. Maybe like on a Sunday. I don't, I'm not sure, but it was on. The, it was my junior year at Seton Hall. What was so. it like for you to be a an LA kid, Southern California kid, to come to Syracuse and spend four years here? I mean, what convinced you to come, and and what convinced you to stay? Well, you know, coming from Los Angeles, um, we grew up. Everybody in LA, we grew up obviously watching UCLA, but we also grew up watching Big Monday because you got to think the games would come on in LA at about four thirty. So we're just getting out of school and just the, the, the bands playing Bill Raftery's voice, watching all these great big East teams battle. So we always admired that. And that was like big time. And if you, you can remember back then, no West coast teams was playing on ESPN. We was playing on local channels at home, Raycom sports, prime sports, but ESPN to play on that, that was the elite. And so for me, um, I wanted to do something different. Um, obviously I was more of a late bloomer in high school. So Syracuse just fell in place with me at the right time. I played well in front of them, got an offer. Um, I know now that, uh, Mateen and Shaheen were ahead of me and they was playing the, the dating game and recruiting. So once they offered me, I'm coming. <laughs> that's, that's how I was. I wasn't playing with it. Once they said, you, you want to come, I came. And that's how I ended, ended up there. But also Mike, I had a great four years. Um, I knew like playing with like Eton or Ryan Blackwell or even Damone Brown. One thing that was all the common thing, everybody said it was cold. Well, they're from the East Coast and they're cold too. So it didn't really matter. That took away the whole element of the coldness and just had a great time. It's a great place to go to college too. So I enjoyed my four years. I remember one time uh, we, I was doing a story on you and Tony Bland, your, yep. your, your buddy from Southern California there. And we took a picture of the two of you in beach chairs with beach umbrellas and, and, and parkas on in the snow right outside the Carrier Dome to kind of juxtapose the California kids playing in the Syracuse snow. Um, to stick, what, what were your memories of our Syracuse winters here, uh, being a California I, kid? I think it was, I think it was uh, my, you know, the only time that it got really cold was when we had winter break when all the students would go home. And so our schedules would change. It wasn't as much activity. So we would go to practice at home and you have, you spend more time at home. And that's when it really got cold, like during that Christmas time. And so those was the memory, but I think we had a snowstorm, maybe my junior year or sophomore year where, where too much snow hit the top of the dome. And I think we had to maybe cancel a game versus like Seton Hall, St. John's or something. So that was my memory vaguely of a snowstorm but other than that i enjoyed putting on some timberlands hadn't worn those since until i got to syracuse <laughs> i enjoyed putting on a big coat i enjoyed putting on a beanie and actually i miss it because uh, it was just a change of scenery for me and now that i'm i'm older i'm living back on on the west coast in california so i, I do miss those uh winters was it hard for you i mentioned tony bland was it hard for you when tony uh, decided to transfer back to the west coast well, you got to think when, when Tony left to, for, for back home, that's when I graduated. Was that your was that going to be your senior year? That was. So Tony came in 98. OK, I got you right. 
he did two years. So when he transferred, I graduated. So, uh, you know, he, I, 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 I don't know if it was homesick, but he just obviously transferred. So we, we got out of there at the same time. Um, I think some days he probably wish he probably would have stayed, but he went on to have a fabulous career at San Diego state and, uh, everything worked out for him. Um, it's funny the way you talk about Syracuse and I've talked with you before about your years here and well, you, you talk about it in just glowing terms and fond memories. But I remember your senior year of high school, there was a whole thing there where you were trying to get out of your commitment. Yeah. Yeah. I was, um, I was trying to get out of my commitment. My brother, he got sick with the kidneys and um, his, I mean, he just got out the hospital maybe last week. So he's still battling that part of his life. Um, you know, he ain't had day. it to this day. Yeah. To this day, so the kidneys on the heart side of my family are, uh, you know, with my dad. Uh, just my dad last August, he got a kidney transplant last August, and so my oldest brother, um, he got one too as well. And actually, my brother Jadifi, who why I want to stay home because of him, he's on dialysis currently right now, so he doesn't even have a functioning kidney. And your so, older brother, that was Robert Richard. Richard, okay. Richard, yeah, it's my my older brother's Richard. So he's he's doing good. He has a he has a functioning kidney. My dad just got a transplant last August. And then my brother, who I was going to stay home for, he's on dialysis right now. So we when did we just trucking along. When you ultimately had to come to Syracuse because all your appeals and everything were denied by the NCAA, and I think there was some other body there, the the Collegiate Commissioners Association. Um was there hard feelings at that point? I mean, were you, did you feel like you had been forced to go to a place that you no longer wanted to be? It was, you know what? It, it was my heart. I wanted to go there. So it wasn't, it wasn't harsh feelings on my end. Cause I want, that's where I wanted to go. Um, I was just young at the time and thinking if I can stay home, I can help. But you know, my brother's, you know, he's still alive to this day. And my dad is, you know, he, we're going to be all right. So once I heard that, it wasn't like, damn, I got to go. It was like, okay, I'm back on my dream. And, and back to where I really want to be. And from day one, we never talked about it. You know, I never used that as a crutch. Really? Good game, bad game, cold. No, we never talked about it. And I got to Syracuse and I, and I had a, that was a time in my life. From 1996 to 2000, um, other than when I had my kids, that, that was the time of my life. I would cherish that memory for forever because it's something that uh, um, it, I grew as a man, but it was just, a place where I became a man and, and I learned a lot and the people around me was just great. And I really considered that my second family. What's your fondest memory of those four years? My fondest memory, man, well, one of them was in 1996, October, it started snowing. And I said, damn, I said, Rock, it's snowing this early. He's like, man, you, we up in upstate, it's snow. And so I remember it was like right before Halloween, it started snowing. And once that, once that I got over that phobia of snowing, um, it was downhill for me then, but I just couldn't believe that it was snowing in like October. I thought we had to wait till like Christmas or something. So uh, that was my fondest memory of getting used to my new surroundings. Okay. Now you have now mentioned your kids and you've mentioned Rock Lloyd. So we, I have to say, you know, just recently, it was over this past weekend, your son, Jason Jr. I can't believe you have a kid that's a high school senior, by the way. But he Man. committed to Long Beach State. A place where my roommate, Rock Lord, transferred from Syracuse to go. And when my son committed, he texted me and said, 
tell your son, welcome to the family. I'm like, man, me and you was family at first at Syracuse. So this whole basketball thing is, is like uh, everything is connected somehow, some way, man. And uh, obviously for Rock, Rock to reach out, that was a great thing. But for my son to be going to his school when he's from New York, it's just crazy, man. It's, it's, it's Life is everything they say is full circle. And Rock's son... From El I think from El Jr., but yep, I know he yep, has a son, yep. same, right? He's yep. going to Nebraska. He's going to Nebraska. He's going off to the cold. He's a, a big-time talent, and um, he's going to do really well there. And, you know, the goal, obviously, when you first you, you have a son, you you hope they, can, they will want to play basketball, and if they have a chance to be good enough, then, you know, obviously you want everything that comes with it. So happy for his son and his family as well. Now, for the last – several years and I've kind of lost track what it's seven eight years you've been an assistant coach at Southern California correct I've been an assistant coach um starting in the 2012 season I I, I was assistant coach at Pepperdine mm-hmm. I worked at Pepperdine for one year for the 12-13 season and then from 13 until four months ago I was at USC the last four maybe I was just I was associate head coach at USC now, you left USC, as you mentioned, four months ago to take a job as the head coach of the G League Ignite. And that's a team in the NBA's G League. And it's really kind of a new team. Like it's only about a, a little over a year old. Right. And it's, it's got a lot of the younger kids. It's got mm-hmm. the kids that ordinarily would have been college freshmen. Uh, last year, Jalen Green, number two pick in last year's NBA draft. Jonathan Kamenga, another lottery pick. He's with the Golden State Warriors. They played for the Ignite. At where you were with USC, and you guys were doing really well at USC, why leave that gig and the college game for the Ignite? Well, every assistant coach, Mike, as you know, our dreams, supposed to be our dreams. I can't speak for everybody. My dream was to become a head coach. Um, To become a head coach, sometimes they say you don't have experience. So... I've always been one to to bet on myself. I don't need nobody to bet on me. I bet on myself. This was a perfect opportunity for me to learn. Um, Coach uh, five-star level kids, which is similar to a college setting, still teaching them the same teachings. And then also get back to, you know, uh, the game of the NBA game. Um, Obviously, the college rules are different than the NBA, but it was a way for me to be a leader in the NBA setting and coach the same age kids I'm accustomed to coaching in college. And so for me, it was, it was a no brainer. Um, I interviewed for it and uh, I thought I did well in the interview. And then obviously I, I was uh, able to be hired and become the head coach uh, of the Ignite. So um, a lot of people was asking, what are you doing? What's this, that I'm going to become a head coach. I, I you know, I did, I did the assistant thing for nine years. And so um, I didn't want to be an assistant forever. I didn't, I just didn't, that, I just wanted to be a leader. I'm a point guard. I need the ball in my hand. And so now I, I, I have the ball back in my hand. And I think right now I'll be able to learn more. And then I think I'll be a more attractive candidate in the future of anywhere else that's looking for a head coach. And that was my goal. And um, I'm happy I'm in the right spot. It's a dream job for me. And uh, I'm just ready to get going. I mentioned some of those players that were on the Ignite last year. They could have been in college. Yeah. Is, is the G League and the Ignite – is, is that something that college coaches are worried about or should be worried about, that they're going to be taking guys from the college game? 
Well, I don't think college coaches should be worried about the ignite. I mean, obviously, the players that we are looking for, normally they would go to the typical blue bloods, right? And so um, I don't think other colleges have to worry about with the the ignite team as you if you was a mid-major or even a low major. Um, we are recruiting, but our recruiting uh, database is 12 kids. You know, yeah, it's, it's the difference. So we, tr we, we, we try to identify the players that we feel um, have a chance to be one and done. You know what I mean? And, and so that's, that's, the, that's what we go after. And it just gives them an option um, to either go to college, because we don't disrespect the college game, but if you if you seriously consider an NBA in one year, instead of uh, wasting a college uh, a scholarship, come to the Ignite and start learning the pro rules and getting and get the pro training and, and, and get paid for it legally. You know, I know they have the NLI now, but you can legally get paid here. And, um, you know, you can start learning finances, start learning um, how to manage your, 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 your life off the court. So it's some benefits uh, to this. And obviously Jalen Green and Jonathan took advantage of it. And now they're, they're, they're NBA ready in terms of um, verbiage, the three-point line, not learn how to take care of their bodies, and then they're playing against grown men. So they understand and they respect um, when they get to the NBA, they respect every uh, player because they know it, it takes hard work to get there. And the Ignite's relatively new, only really one full year in. And with anything, it seems there's always like a, a period of, of adjustment or getting things straight. We, you know, I mentioned Jalen and Jonathan Kaminga who obviously it worked out for. They're both lottery picks. This was perfect for them. Yeah. There was the other kid that was supposed to go to UCLA, Knicks. Yes. His first name escapes me all of a sudden in the middle of the podcast. First name, first name is Dacian Knicks. <laughs> That's it. Six, five guard. Um, the memory's coming back again. Uh, you know, he played for the Ignite last year and then he didn't get drafted. Yeah. Now I think he is in somebody's camp right now in the NBA. So maybe things will still work. But is he like, an example of how the Ignite and people around it and even the players who are considering it still have to figure this out for who for, is it right for who? Yeah. Like I, I, again, Mike, the Ignite is not for everybody, but Dacian Nix, um, he had conviction and this is the route that he, he, he wanted to take. It's no guarantees that uh, Jalen or Jonathan would have went two or seven this is a place for a convicted athlete in terms of their mindset. I'm going to be a pro and this is it. And then obviously, um, you know, I'm, I'm, the results is how good I play. So yeah. these are more so guys betting on their self and believing, believing uh, they can, they, you know, their ability. And you, you skipping out one other guy is uh, Isaiah Todd. Um, he he right. did get drafted. He was the 31st pick of the second round. And so basically he, a first rounder. He was this close. Yeah, and so yeah. Um, another player who, who bet on himself and, and played well enough. But again, this place is not for everybody. We don't try to solicit players who who obviously need to be in college. But if you strongly feel that way about your game, like this would have benefited for like a win for walk. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Like it, it just he would have. Now if if this was twenty years ago and this was for win for Walton, he probably would have had a long NBA career because he was able to come here and learning he was talented enough or like a Tim Thomas, you know, those type. And so uh, that's what we kind of looking for, that type of level of talent. 
a kid from the States instead of maybe a few of those kids have gone and played in like New Zealand or China, just a couple, but they wouldn't have to go to a foreign country for that year. They can stay here in the United States. And when like RJ Hampton and Mellow Ball went to play in Australia, I think the guys that that formed this team said, you know what, we're going to offer the same format to keep our talent, our American talent here in the States and have the same setup, same housing, same training, same coaching um, here in the States. And it's just another option um, for these players because it's, it's far too many one and dones, obviously in the, pro, in the college game, but you win more with your three and four year guys than your one and dones. So um, if you're a one and done, it's great for a program because you will continue to get that level of player. But a program is winning with guys that stand in school for three or four years. That's just the facts. What's the difference between the Ignite, the Ignite of the G League and this other new outfit, Overtime Elite? You know what? I don't have any – like I haven't sat down and read on Overtime Elite, so I can't answer that one. I, I know it's high school kids going there, and that's about all I, all I know. I, I, don't, I don't know who they're playing against. I don't know how their, how their schedule is set up, so I, I can't answer. Okay. Yeah. But you're right. There is – the biggest difference is – they're getting kids who are actually still in high school. Right. And have multiple years left in high school. Right. So and paying them and setting them up and, and stuff like that. Uh, that'll be an interesting experiment to see how it works over the next few years. Okay. Well, um, and, and then like for, for one of the differences, obviously is the G league night we're playing against the Lakers minor league team and the Clippers minor league team. So it's, we, we're playing in a format towards pro setting. And so, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's watched closely by every GM because every GM is watching their minor league team. And so while they're watching their minor league team, they obviously get a chance to see our young guys. So you've been out at USC for all those years, your West Coast. So the last few years within your conference, there's been a familiar face on the sidelines up the coast in Seattle. Mike Hopkins up there at the University of Washington What's your opinion of where Mike's at with that program? Because I know his first two years really, really did really, really well. Coach of the year in the Pac-12, right? The last yep. two years, it's been a little bit more of a struggle for Hop. Where yes. do you think he's at right now? Well, uh, I think mentally, speaking to him not too long ago, I seen him in uh, California about, well, Los Angeles, maybe about a month ago. He was out there recruiting. He still have the same energy. He, he's uh, upbeat, spirited. I think he had, you know, two tough years, but – you know, in this coaching business, you're going to go through that. Nobody's immune to it. And so uh, it's, it's all about the bounce back. I think his team is uh, – he, he was able to reload and get, get uh, some, some good players in there. And so I'm rooting for him this year to, to kind of get off that snide and get back to uh, what he's been doing the previous two or three years. Going back to your playing career at Syracuse, you mentioned Mateen Cleaves in your mm-hmm. recruiting process. Mm-hmm. Your, your last game was yeah. against Mateen. Yeah. And of course, Syracuse fans hate talking about this game. But we um, do too. We, as players, <laughs> we have a group text. We still hate talking about it. So it's the, it's the sweet 16 against Michigan state at the palace in Auburn Hills. Um, I mean, can you take me through that one? Cause I know you guys had the big lead early in the second half and then Michigan state just got on a roll. Yeah, so it was a game. Um, we was the four seed. They was the one seed. We was playing essentially um, uh, at Woods Visitors. They was playing a home game, being that um, obviously Lansing is close to the uh, Auburn Hills. Um, I thought we came out 
and did an excellent job. We started fast, was able to get up on, on, on them, and they made some second-half adjustments, made a lot of threes, and we just couldn't hold them off. Um, it was one of them games for me as a player that I will remember that particular game forever because I really feel in my heart that we had every thing you needed to win a championship. I think that um, – and then it hurts even more because they went on to win the championship, and we was beating the, the, the champions pretty good. Yeah, so, you were. Yeah, we was beating them pretty good handily too. And so I think that uh, uh, that's one team that season that I will never, ever forget because that 2000 Syracuse team definitely could have won the championship that year for sure. Because we had been through every every emotion uh, of, of uh, building a, a team. And we, we had a lot of losses prior to those years. And that was one of the years that I think we was ready to to finally get us a championship. Bayon, it would have been Bayon's first. You guys, I mean, I remember that game. I remember mainly the crowd. Yeah. Um, you oh, mentioned honey. it was kind of a – I mean, that place was 90 to 95% Michigan State fans. And the other 5 to 10% was not, not Syracuse fans. There's two other teams that have fans there. So it's Iowa like, State. Yeah, and and I forget, I forget who Iowa State had on their side of the bracket, but you know, there's the other group. So the Iowa State fans and whoever else they were playing, they weren't exactly yelling or anything. Right. Um, yeah, you guys were up against it. Didn't Natan get in foul trouble? Natan got in foul trouble, and it kind of like threw him off because he uh, he couldn't be as aggressive as he wanted to because he didn't want to get you know fouled out. So. Um, Man, I and you know that game is on YouTube, so I ain't watched it a lot. I'll probably watch it three times a year. And so it's tell I watched the first half and then slowly watched the second half later on because we was just up so great. And then Alan Griffin had came off the bench and was really, really good in the first half. And so, like I said, we had one of them teams. We had everything you needed. We had length, we had size, shot blocking, guard play. Uh, we was deep. We had a lot of depth and um experience too. Man, that was a very much experience. Me, Tyne, and Ryan Blackwell had played in, uh, already in over 100 games. So, um, you know, that was just one I, I would never, ever, ever forget that particular team. That was probably the best team that I've ever played on, you know, period. I know I played on the pros with some good teams, but that team, that was a special team. You know, you've left the college game now, at least for now. Who knows? Yeah. Maybe we'll see you back. Um but, you know, one of the big new things in the college game right now is the transfer portal yeah. and the, the players having the ability to transfer and play right away without sitting out. Yeah. How, how is that going to affect the college game? Is the college game going to be okay? Or, or is, is this going to have – it's good for the players. I get it. They should be able to do it. But is it going to be too much for the college game to handle? I don't see. I, I disagree with COVID. I, I thought, okay, that was cool, but I don't think that I don't think they should be able to just go and and play right away. I I, I don't. I, I think if you transfer, um, you should be able to sit out and then you know sit in residence for a year and then come to play. Or the other way, if you graduate in three years, then you should be granted to play because that showed that you was a student first. But okay. wow. I think the I think the college game is going to always be fine because you're still going to have young young men. Um, in the college settings, to being student athletes, working hard each day, and you plan for your school. You're not get you're not getting paid essentially, and so I think the game is going to always be a great game. 
but I do think the transfer portal, um, it hurts um, high school seniors because college, college coaches, they don't want to get fired. So they'd rather go get a grown man and, and plug him in as opposed to waiting on an 18-year-old Jason Hart. So I just think um, had this way they're doing college basketball, had this been implemented 20 years ago, a lot of our, our favorite college players, we would have never heard of them because they wouldn't have got the opportunity. I'm wondering a couple things. I'm wondering if 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 a transfer portal was there, if like maybe maybe Coach Beheim doesn't fight so hard to keep you to your original letter of intent. I'll find someone in the portal. Fine, let Jason Hart stay on the West Coast. Or uh, conversely, like Alan Griffin, you mentioned him earlier. Um, he starts as a sophomore. His junior year, he comes off the bench instead, loses his starting job a lot of kids would get upset and leave halfway through that season. Instead, Alan stays and the year after you graduate and Tony transfers, Alan becomes a starter again as a senior. Yeah. That, and, and that mindset, I, Alan obviously was a tough kid. So he, when he came to Syracuse, he committed to the school for four years and that's him, him doing it even back then was, was, was a salute to him because even back then you still had transfers, but in today's mm -hmm. era, it's totally different. If they don't, if it, they don't hit the ground running as a freshman, they're leaving. So college, and, and then back then, college coaches wasn't getting fired as fast. So everything has changed. Everything has changed. Everybody, it, it, you have to win now, um, and you have to win consistently, or you'll get fired. And with that came with the the uh, surge in salaries for college head coaches. College head coaches are making ten, eight, nine million dollars a year. That's more than like fifty percent of. NBA coaches. And so when you have that um, pressure builds, and so now it's an expectation. Now you want to be good. So you want to stay old. Old wins in um, college. Old win. If you're old, normally you're going to have a pretty good team. As I recall, you started all but one game in your series yeah. career. Am I right? Yeah. Coach Beheim, man. Coach, you did that to me, Coach. Yeah, I – uh. I went home for Christmas, my senior year, and um, I think we had practice Christmas Day. And, and lack of judgment, well, not really lack of judgment. I said, I'm going to stay home for Christmas. I'm going to stay. I'm going to come back the next day. And he, uh, we played St. Bonaventure's um, two, 1999, December or something, 27, 28. And um, when I got back, he gave me the spill about uh, I'm not starting, and he, and he broke my streak. He broke my streak. And at the time, I wasn't I wasn't really mad because what I did, I know I accepted my penalty, and that's what it was. I, I didn't start the first two minutes of the game. But looking back on it, um, I wish I could have started to have that, you know, however many games played, started together. So um, – but I stayed home for Christmas, Coach Beheim, because it was my, my senior year, and I wanted to stay home with my family one extra day. You could have started. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'm one, I missed one out of the however many games I played through. That's brutal. That's yeah. just so brutal. It's like the yep. only game you didn't start. Yep. Oh my God. I remember that. In fact, I don't know. I thought that you would like had a flight, but missed it or it got, and it wasn't, but none. So now you're correcting the record on that part. You knew exactly what you were doing. Oh yeah. I'm staying home for Christmas. I'm going to fly out on the 26th. I stayed home intentionally. You know, we had practice on Christmas night at seven. So 
that mean I would have had to, I would have to leave essentially on on Christmas Day at five in the morning because you know it took twelve hours to get back because it wasn't no it's no straight flight from from Sy- L.A. to Syracuse so you had to stop at that time it was Chicago or New Jersey depending on what airline you went so now I stayed on. You know, we've, we mentioned your friend Tony Bland a couple times here during our yeah. conversation. I can't let you go without asking about him. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, Tony got caught up in that FBI investigation and, you know, he's lost his job and he had his career arc was like soaring. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. He had such a great reputation as a recruiter that both San Diego State and then USC, you know, how do you feel about everything that happened to Tony? And I don't know if you've seen him or talked to him lately. How's he doing? Tony Bland is doing really good. Actually, this is a small world. So, um, you know, obviously when, when my son and Roxanne were, were playing together in high school at TAF, um, you know, when COVID hit, the school, LAUSD shut down. So it wasn't, you know, there wasn't no more basketball. So Roxanne went to Sierra Canyon. My son ended up transferring to St. Bernard's. Tony Bland is Jason Hart Jr.'s high school coach. So for me, so for me as a parent, who else better to coach your son um, and teach him the game the right way? So Tony's a high school he- uh, head coach at St. Bernard's High School in Los Angeles. Um, he'll be eligible in a few years to get back into the college game. So the way life is going full circle, you just never know how it's going to be we may end up being back together one day. So um, he's doing well. His family, his wife, his kids, everybody's doing really well. Um, his oldest son goes to Princeton, plays football there, Princeton. So, yeah, he has his, his, his – Wow. Yeah, he has a son there that plays football for Princeton. So um, Tony's doing really good. Um, bounced back all the way. And now he's back with that same big smile that, that we all knew. And, uh, you know, everybody in, in L.A., um, that's what everybody wanted to see. Do you think there is a chance that he'll get back into college coaching? Oh, most, most definitely. Right. Yeah, most de- most definitely get back into college coaching. Again, like, uh, obviously, w- whatever transpired was a mistake. Um, we live and we move on, and for sure, he'll definitely get back into college game. He, he just offered too much to a program, and so he'll, he'll be back for sure. Well, that's good to hear because uh, I, I liked Tony a lot when I – when I covered him in, in his two years here at Syracuse and, yeah, and I know you, and I know you two guys are close. Mm-hmm. I had no idea he was uh, coaching the uh, high school ball and coaching your son. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, like I said, remember, I told you, if you just keep on living life, everything comes back full circle. And so um, I've learned to live and just, Hey, see what's next. Cause it's always going to be something good. Well, you're right. Things do come full circle. Cause who would have thought 21 years ago when you left Syracuse that we, you and I would be back having a conversation on a podcast? And, Mike, I haven't been to a game. I think I came up there. I, I won a Vic Hansen Award. So I think that was in 2011 when I stopped playing. So I haven't been to Syracuse since 2011. But prior to that, I hadn't been there since, like, 2000. So I would love to come back and just sit in the stands and eat some popcorn and watch a game and just – really admire just the whole atmosphere. I, I would love to do that. Hopefully uh, one day here in the near future, I'll be able to get back up there and just spend some time with the great people of central New York. 
Well, I, I know they would love to see you again. And uh, it's been a long time since I've seen you. I think the last time I saw you in person, I think you were at the tail end of your NBA career. Yeah. A remarkable nine-year career for a guy taken in the second round, by the way. Yeah. Hey, that, it don't happen no more. <laughs> you know what's crazy? It is very hard. It's hard to get two years in the NBA, even if you're a first round. But uh, I, I look at look at it as an accomplishment. Um, I'm 43 years old, and I still have dreams. I, I just refuse to tell my dreams. So you know, I'm, I'm always on a. I've been on a, a arc in my life, professionally and, and family wise, where it's been going good. And I think I'm maybe about 85 percent uh, pitching on on my uh, dreams coming true. So I still got more dreams to accomplish. And I'm going to continue to dream. And, and if you're not a dreamer, then, you know, life is not good for you. Well, Gotta good luck chasing those. I, Thank I, you, man. I appreciate that, Mike. I appreciate that. And we know you're doing great. I know you'll do great with the Ignite. Um, I'm going to be really interested in seeing how that goes for you. Good luck to Jason Jr. at Long Beach State. And uh, thank you so much for taking the time here to join me on the podcast. It's always great to talk to you. Thank you, man. And to all my Syracuse fans, uh, miss you guys. Best fans in the world. They always talk about these other schools. You know, they never gave us our, our Syracuse to me, our, our just, you know, credit. Syracuse got some of the best fans in the world. They showed up every night, 20,000, 30, doesn't matter. So that goes underrated. And then also I want to tell uh, this current Syracuse team, good luck. Uh, you guys um, playing under some great former players. And um, you guys got to kind of live up to that. So good luck to this team. I know they're going to do well. Coach Beheim, I know he's going to get these guys going. And uh, hopefully we can get back to the to the NCAA tournament and then um, see what happens. Go All Cuba. right, Jason. Hey, thank you, Mike. Appreciate it again. All right, brother. I want to thank Jason for joining me on the podcast today. And thanks to you out there as well for listening in. Please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast and follow all of our complete coverage of Syracuse basketball on Syracuse.com. Until next time on the Inside Syracuse Basketball Podcast, I'm Mike Waters.